0: know that deal where you make a big old meal i'm talking like a three course feast you got the the salad you got the entree everything's just like set up great um just lots of flavor spice just right you set it out on the plates the dinner table you get your family around some friends you serve it up you dish it out and then people like dang that's good give me some more You get seconds. You slap it on the plate. And then at the end of the the evening, everybody's full. Everybody's got their belly all full. And there's still stuff in that pot that you spent time making. And it's too good to just toss it away, you know, throw it away in the trash. So you bust out that Tupperware. You slap that stuff in there. You put it in the back of the fridge. And then you got yourself leftovers for tomorrow's lunch. And that's what this podcast is, baby. Sermon leftovers, some leftovers of the sermon here. Um, that as I sit in my office here on Monday morning, thinking about, man, it's such a weird thing to get up and preach. You spend all week, you know, thinking about what you're going to say on Sunday morning, and you get up there, and and the Lord will just drop something in your head, and and or 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 you. You think about reflecting on it, and it's like you know I said this, and I wish I could have said da 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 da, and it could have taken this a little bit further, or the better illustration, or you know, and and so that's just the life of the preacher. You're always sort of rehashing the last thing that you talked about or you preached on, and uh, that's what I'm doing right now, I'm thinking about something. And actually, what I want to talk about today in this episode is is not something that I originally had in my. My manuscript. I didn't have it in my notes. Um, I didn't didn't really actually plan on saying this at all, um, but I just had that thought. The, the thought came to me in the moment. Something not not necessarily off the cuff that I've never said or thought of before, but something that the Lord sort of had already curated in my mind and put forward. So I'm not coming out here to apologize for something that I said or to revise it or make amends. Um, Actually, what I want to do is sort of like explore a concept a little bit further. And at one point in my sermon, I don't exactly remember when, but I was talking about how how daunting it is to look out at the culture, to take, to see what's going on in our world and to to be completely overwhelmed and just devastated, to feel sort of um, to feel that you have been so overwhelmed that you are at the point of despondency. It's like, there's so much bad going on. How can even, if I could do a little bit of good, how would that change anything? And, and I think right now, as you look out into our culture, um, it feels like Babel. It feels like Babylon. Um, and, and in the Bible, Babylon is is this city that is just full of... Of pagan worship. It's, their heart is is so far removed from God. Um, they are people who insist on their own way. They do what is expedient. They do what feels good in the moment without any kind of regard for future consequences. They're always thinking the short term, always thinking self-gratification. They're not thinking about the larger community. Um, they're just thinking about myself. It's just very selfish Babylonian sort of mentality. And I think that, that uh, in a lot of ways, it feels like we are in Babylon right now that we are in the midst of a world that is so contrary to uh, how Christians desire the world to be. Right? If we're people who who desire um, the reign of Jesus Christ to be known, um, to be honored, to be recognized, and to see people walk in his ways, uh, our, our world is about as far removed from that as you can. And, and I'm not saying that it, there's no way that it can get any worse. It's, it, it could get worse, but it just feels like in this moment, um, it certainly is a, a juxtaposition between um, the kingdom of this earth and uh, the kingdom of heaven, which we are anticipating and it's so weird to be in this place, um, to see have our world be what it is, and y- you've got um, certain media outlets that are trying to tell you it's okay, everything's fine, everything's normal, this is how things are supposed to be, no need to get in a tizzy. In fact, like we ought to celebrate the way things are like have not ha- look at the advancements that we've made and so you've got one channel that's telling you that and trying to pretend like everything's normal and and some people go along with it and say oh yeah i guess that you know da da da, da. And, and and so i just sort of adopt uh the ways of the world and and become sort of uh, you become indoctrinated by a worldly mentality and then you flip to another channel And they have a very different message, and their message is to, like, everything's on fire. The world is collapsing. It's burning down. They're pointing the finger of who's responsible, and that's partly true, um, but not entirely true. Um, They're pointing the finger and blaming people. They're saying everything is terrible. The people in power are miserable. At this point, you're probably putting together, I'm talking about CNN and Fox News here, right? These are the caricatures of them. But you've got one that's saying everything's fine, everything's normal, and you get the other one says that the world's on fire and it's not looking good. It's very bleak, and I think the effect of of the uh, the the second mentality that I, I shared with you here is is that uh, it causes people who think like that simply to get angry. They look at the world and, and and it's like, yeah, they are right. The world, our world is being destroyed. We're upset. We want something better. We, we never should have done this. Like it's easy to agree with that, uh, how bad things are and get upset and angry. So you get this sort of energy that boils up in you and, and really, uh, there's no outlet for it in those two categories. There's no outlet. Either Either you have to go along to get along or you you do feel like there is a real uh, sharp contrast between the world we're in and the world we want. And And the only thing that you can do is to get angry about it. And this is where the concept of the black pill comes in. Um, if you, this is sort of a reference to the matrix and it's been a minute since I've seen this movie, but the general premise is they've got this main character who's offered an invitation. He's he's given two options of either you take the blue pill and everything goes back to normal. It's like you forget everything and the life as you know, it just resumes, you carry on and then there that he's offered the, the red pill. And at this point the movie critics are chiming in and telling me I'm getting this wrong, but the red pill is like, if, if you take this pill, you're going to see behind the curtain. You're going to see how things really work. And, and if you do something, like you can do something about it um, and sort of maybe change how things are. Um, it's going to be a tall task, but, you know, obviously they, they made like three or four movies. So very tall task um, or whatever. Um, and so that you get the blue pill be normal or act normal. Everything's nothing's nothing's out of the norm. Everything's fine or the red pill. Um You can see behind the curtain, everything's, you know, and, and maybe you can do something about it. But then there's also the black pill and the black pill is like the fatalistic pill. It is, it is, um, it's nihilism. It's looking out and saying, everything's damned. Everything's bad. There's no hope. There's no future. It's so bleak. It's so dark. And all we can do is be angry. And I would say that most uh, if you're conservative minded, if, if you're listening to like Fox News or talk radio, I would say the thing that, that it's doing the most is generating anger in people who have conservative values. And instead of taking that energy that people might experience... And pointing it towards something constructive, it actually is pointed towards something destructive, just as destructive as, as the other side, actually, the fatalism, the nihilism. It's just as destructive as going along with things as they currently are. And I bring these two things up because that I think that's our tendency. We look at the world and, and it's like, man, things are so bad. And we're tempted by the black pill. It's like the black pill is being offered. It's not just a red pill, not a blue pill. Now there's a black pill. It just says everything goes black. Everything's fade out. Everything's midnight. Nothing is going to matter. So just give up. Don't try. What's the point? And I want to tell you here on this podcast, as you're feeling that, as you're experiencing that, don't take the black pill. Don't take the black pill. Don't, no matter how bad things look out there in the world, do not resign to the lie of the devil that there's no hope. In fact, this sermon series that we're in, we're talking about discipleship, making disciples, planting churches, renewing the city, right? The Great Commission is what we talked about last Sunday. The Great Commission gives us hope that it it doesn't have to be this bleak, dark future of nothingness. And so as Christians, we cannot and should not take the black pill, what we must do is we must trust in the Lord. We must trust in the Lord. And, and the Lord has commanded us to go and make disciples. Now, I, I think my I'm persuaded here that the remedy to the, the ills of our society, the remedy to the brokenness, the, the, the remedy to all of the just chaos, trash world that we're in is making disciples the remedy, the thing that's going to fix things for the long haul is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is freedom from sin. There is there is a means in which your guilt and shame can be removed. And there is a way forward in obedience to Christ. And I think that's really what discipleship is about. It's, I mean, without discipleship, Without Jesus, the world would just be this dark downward spiral. That's all it would be. The creation unraveling. Without God and his redemptive plan, that's that's what our sin would have earned us, the wages of sin is death. That's what it would end in. But the gift of God is eternal life for those who believe. It's a gift that God has given us to redeem, to take what is broken and to bind it back up. And so as we look at the society at whole, I believe as God tells us to disciple the nations, that God intends to bind up society, that God wants to restore the world and all of the people in it in a way that, that leads to human flourishing, where people are actually believing, trusting in the Lord, and, and when those who trust in the Lord will not be put to shame, and obeying God because they are responding in love, obedience is a response of love, to the love of Christ, uh, to the love of God that's demonstrated to us in Christ. And so I think the gospel is—it is the sole answer to the despair that when we look out at the world and we see the darkness kind of creeping in, we see how it seems like the darkness wants to just keep taking taking ground. But if we want to push back the darkness, and 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 that's the thing about the gospel: Christ is the light of the world. He is the light of the whole world. And what we're told in John 1 is that the darkness can't overcome it. And that same light of Christ that shone 2,000 years ago in, in the person at work, that light is, is implanted in each and every Christian, and we are to let our light shine before all men so they can glorify our God in heaven. And so that's that's why we're here. Like Discipleship has this bigger goal than just getting people into heaven. It's, it's like in the real-time daily life, seeing society renewed seeing our city renewed. That's part of our vision. That's part of of who we are as a church. That's what we believe, that God, not not only can God transform individual lives, he can transform societies. But the way that God does that, the way God transforms societies, is a grassroots movement. It it doesn't come through Jesus running for president. He's not going to do that. It doesn't come from a, uh, a legislative reform that brings us back to the, to the, the basic standards of, of the Ten Commandments, although those are the best rules to live by. That's not the way societal reform, that's not the way that society will be renewed. How it will be renewed and the ability to obey God's rules comes from the gospel, where the hearts of man are regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're given new hearts that now love God and desire to obey him, the desire to live in his ways. And so this is why the work of making disciples of both proclaiming the excellencies of Christ, of proclaiming the gospel, of of being loud about what Christ has done for us and the ministry of instruction uh, of teaching people how to obey Jesus, what it looks like, of, of gi- <clears throat> giving them the opportunity to apprentice and to learn the ways of Christ. This is why the church is essential. The, the church is not a, a non essential entity that can be shut down. Even if government tells us to do that again, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But the church is essential for the well being of society where we're proclaiming the gospel, we're instructing people in the ways of Christ. So our place, our society can be transformed. It's a small grassroots movement. God changes the hearts of man. Uh, Individuals change families. Families change churches. Churches change societies. Societies inform a nation. Okay, and so, and so I do think that there is this, this small to large trajectory of what God is doing and what God wants to do. And the fact that he told us to disciple the nations, not just, not just the tribes, not just the, the uh, ethno groups, but the nations. That it has this grassroots movement. And as God's grace spreads, societies become better because of it. Now, I think that there is an interesting layer to this conversation, being that we are a church in the state of Illinois. Now, I am an Iowa boy. I, I Technically, I was born in Minnesota, and so I feel like I've never totally been able to claim that I'm an Iowa native, but I've been there for basically my entire life. And I love the state of Iowa. It's been a great place. And, and the older that I get, the more I've come to appreciate the values of the state of Iowa and some of its conservative um, family-oriented, educational, favorable policies that make it easy for somebody who holds my values to live and to live a good life. Now, Illinois is very different. Um, as you know, our our state's politics basically run on whatever Chicago says. So very liberal city, very liberal state because of it. And so we're in a place that um, I think a lot of people have a hard time liking, And I think what makes it really interesting for us specifically being in the quad cities where I, like I can look out my window, basically I can get up on the roof of the church and look out and I can see Iowa from the, from there. And it's like, we're Moses and Joshua looking out across the Jordan to the promised land, right? It's right there. It's right there. So close within reach. We're not there yet. And, and so it's easy to be, to long for, um, a place that will be more conducive. In fact, they there right now. Um, I, you probably don't already even aware of this, but they in Christian circles. There's talk about like strategic relocations going to places that are, are more Christian friendly. And, instead of trying to fight the, um, the, the liberal conservative wars and, and losing in states like California and well, Illinois would also New York, Illinois might be one of them as well. And so here we are right on the edge, and it would be so easy to just hop across the river, yet God, at least for me, God put me here. God God called me to Moline, called me to Rock Island and then to Moline to come here and to be here and to do gospel ministry here because there are people here, right? And, and I don't believe Illinois is a f- God-forsaken space. It's not a God-forsaken state. I think it has forsook God, but God had, has not forsaken it. And so with this dynamic, it's like hard to get excited about the place that you're in. It's hard to, to reimagine a society like an Illinoisan society where our values are shared and, and not actually opposed. And so this is one of the things that, that motivates me. And, and makes it seem like it's all the more pressing that we really got to get to work at making disciples. Like if we want to leave uh, the state of Illinois, the city of Moline or Alito, or, well, is a little bit different, different county. So basically Rock Island County in a better better state for our children, um, if, if God were to keep them around here, well, then we, we got to get to work making disciples, making a, a place that's conducive for a life where they can glorify God in the everyday stuff of life. And so let me, let me tie these two things together. Don't take the black pill. Don't, don't settle and say, there's no, no future. It's so dark. It's so bleak. We have the gospel. The gospel is a solution to our cultural problems. The gospel is the answer to the futility, to the, to the despair, to the depression, to all of the things that, that make us loathe the culture for what it is. The gospel holds the solution. Jesus is the answer. And so let's get busy making disciples and and to, to discipleship really is a matter of loving people in a specific locale. Like people are always in a locale. And so the people that God has called us to are, are the people of Illinois, people in Moline, Rock Island, Alito, Silvis, Coal Valley, wherever, wherever it is you live God's called us to be on mission to those people, to make disciples of those people. And so we've got to be mindful about as much as we love the people, we have to love the place because the people will come and go. The place will stay here until Jesus comes back and brings heaven with him. Right, The place will stay here. And so we want to to work to transform people and places so society would more uh, accurately reflect or, or honor the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the glory of God would be reflected. And so the answer to that, as you look out to the world and see the darkness, Jesus is the light of the whole world and the darkness cannot overcome it. And he has put his light in his, in his church to go and shine. And so church, the way that we shine is by going and making disciples. Let us go and make disciples of Jesus Christ and pray that the Lord would renew our city. I hope to see you guys on Sunday as we continue our sermon series, Cultivate. And uh, I'm looking forward to it and being with you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week.